after buzzers, before we move on, we would like to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. A man and a woman are never alone together. There is always a third. Shake time. 20 camels to dowry. That's right. We're talking (laughs) Hulu's Rami, Season 2, Episode 7, Atlantic Atlantic City, and Episode 8, Frank in the Future. And we are with the amazing squad. What's up, everybody? Hey. All the way to my right, Mina showed up. (laughs) Hey, guys. Why wouldn't I show up? (laughs) Well, who knows what you're doing, Mina? Who knows who you're marrying? Let's talk to some Nikki. Hi, I came back. Hi, Nikki. How are you? And of course, my main man, Amir Yas, is in the building. I'm back. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tehran. I'll be hosting this as we talk about season two, episode seven and eight, as we're binge watching with all of you. We will be breaking down each each episode individually. Uh, we're going to be break down episode seven, Atlantic City, as thus. FaceTime, Atlantic City, Ahmed Gamble's strip club, Rami's taking a piss, Moe's Umbra, and Steve's condition. <laughs> what were your overall thoughts on this episode seven of Rami Atlantic City, Nikki Bailey? Woo! It was a lot. And um, I needed to process. It was just a lot. That's all I could say to start. Well, I can't even go into it's it. It was a lot. a lot, Mina. It was a lot. Did you find it a lot as well? Um, I love how it's okay if you like go to a strip club, but gambling is totally haram. Eating pork <laughs> is haram, but like it's okay if you like do whatever else. It's like all within your discretion. Like that's the beauty of Islam. Well, technically, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people who gamble, party, but don't eat pork. But never yeah. a person who just eats lots of pork but never gambles. <laughs> yeah, party. Just, as long as you don't eat pork, you're you're going to heaven. You're, you're good. Pretty good, Amir. Good. Amir, what were your thoughts overall on this episode? It was a great episode. I call that the Muslim effect. You can do, you know, anything. And then as long as you don't eat pork, you're good. So uh, this episode, I was speechless. And that happens very rarely for me. I feel like when me and Nikki were talking offline, I think they, Rami just wanted to push everyone as far as he could go. I think he doesn't have the fear of season one. He's like, whatever, hands up, let's go crazy. It's a lot. It's interesting you saw it that way because I saw this as Rami in his purest form. I actually have a little bit of inside knowledge on this. All I'm saying is if the characters were the most true to themselves in this episode, it's so much fun watching this happen. Such a great episode. Let's talk about that FaceTime conversation between Rami and Zayna. What were your thoughts? Mina? I, yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I thought it was really cute. I mean, she's, you know, kind of conservative and, you know, I like the flirtation between them. I thought it was pretty adorable. I like how you said kind of conservative, Nikki. I loved it. I thought it was really sexy. Like there's something really sexy about the the idea of having to wait, you know, like the the you know, the the end of desire is satisfaction and satisfaction's sometimes boring. So I I liked it. I was like I was like I don't want to flirt over FaceTime with my girlfriend. Steve Harvey might agree with you. I'm here. <laughs> um, listen, I think that what Nikki is saying is very true. Anticipation sometimes is a lot more exciting than kind of that instant gratification. And I love Zayna because we, I love her character. She was like, this is my bedroom and you're not going to ever see it in person. She was like, look at it, enjoy it, take it in. You're not going to get what you want. And let's be honest, men are a little dumb. So they like to, when they don't get something, they get interested. So I think she's keeping them interested. So I'm here for it. Some men are like that. Not all. Let's uh, not throw out oh. any secrets out there. Oh. Thank you, Amir. No, oh. not all. Not all. Let's not all. Let's not all everyone. Let's That's my truth. Anything. My That's, truth. Thank it's not you. even a truth. It's not even close to being a truth. Guys, actually, we love it on the first date. Let's talk about the concept <laughs> of being kidnapped and going to Atlantic City. We see the friends, which we haven't gotten a lot of friend time this season. We do get the friends. We get all three. We get Steve, of course. We get Mo, and we get Ahmed. 
uh, played by Dave Merge. So you get all the characters into true form and they take Rami to Atlantic City because of this pending possible marriage because the relationship is heating up. By the way, it's only been a month. What are your thoughts, Nikki? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, Atlantic City is no place to go to have any kind of fun. And so um, that's the first mistake. And the second thing was, it's so fast. Like they, they have not spent any time together and we're already doing a bachelor party. Although I do think that Mo, I think it was Mo made a really great point that the way Americans do it the night before is stupid. You waste an opportunity like that. So I think there was something cool about it, except for the whole Atlantic City part of it. It's not just stupid. It was dirty. Mina. Yeah. uh, What's your question? What I thought about the whole thing or kind of. Do you think a month, a month is too soon? Okay, so I think it really depends. Um, I think uh, within the Arab culture, especially if you're traditional, that's pretty normal to like kind of meet someone and like you get feelings instantly. If you don't have like relationship experience, then you can develop those feelings at an even faster rate because it's like your first time. So I I was actually really surprised with the FaceTime at how open Zainab was with like, um his sexual history and his past and not like prying and inquiring and getting hurt about it i thought she demonstrated a lot of maturity whereas a lot of muslim muslim women might may not feel that way um but i also think that that is kind of like a normal rate for some people um if they're traditional for us i mean we're arab american um or we're first generation american it's it's a little it might be a little uh 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 a departure from the norm, I guess, for us. Like, I think it's too fast. It might be too fast. Amir, do you think it's too fast or just I don't think it's too fast. No, I don't think it's too fast in the world that we've been kind of introduced to. She's the daughter of a sheikh and he's trying to be reformed and is a Sufi. Like, I don't think it's too fast. It it makes sense in their relationship is progressing. I mean, Love is Blind on Netflix, they, they got married in three weeks. There was no religious anything. They never even saw each other. So I, I don't think it, it's it's that crazy. Yeah, if you break it down to online and uh, reality dating, then The Bachelor is basically when it's when it's The Bachelor, it's a great show. If I do it, I'm f boy. That's how that works. Let's talk about Atlantic City itself and Ahmed's struggle to gamble. Ahmed actually has to tap a fellow uh, a fellow gambler to come over and and push the button. What were your thoughts, Amir? I love that he then won. That's like God just being like, <laughs> yeah, bitch. Like, you are going to, you're not supposed to be doing this. And I'm going to like, and it, I just love when he was like, I have to go pray. Like, I have to leave. Like, you enjoy your $1,400. And the guys, I love the guy that was just like, yeah, I'm going to pray as well. You enjoy your prayer. I'm going to enjoy mine with $1,400 richer. So I was here for it. Nikki, were you there for it too? Um, I, at first thought, that he needed him to press the button just because he had germaphobe issues. And then I was like, oh no, no, no. Like this must be like the act of the button is the gambling. So um, that was, I had like, it was like a weird workaround that I thought was really kind of cool. And, and he didn't seem too hurt about not getting to keep the 1400. He is a doctor. He is a doctor. He 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 knew an eye. Well, in the Quran, it says it's okay to put money in the machine as long as you don't push the button. So I think he was like... That's actually a hadith. A lot of yeah. people don't know. That's yeah, actually, people... Like, they have machines and 1,500 years ago. They don't know that. But um, no, I think it's... I thought it was interesting that he's like living vicariously and like enjoying the experience through another person. Um, and I love how he was like, yeah, I got to go pray and then hit up the strip club. Because um, that's like a normal thing to do as well. It's definitely commentary on self-proclaimed uh, self-proclamation of rules within Islam, where, uh, and I want everyone to understand uh, outside, is that there's a range of extremism, conservatism, and liberalism, progressive, and Islam the way there is in any religion. So the same way a rapper could go on stage and thank God and Jesus for his song, Booty Booty, Girl, I Love Your Booty, it's the same way that a lot of Muslims can express themselves too. Not yeah. every Muslim is a strict. In fact, if you had to compare the two, uh, uh, most Persian Muslims are not as conservative as Arab Muslims at all. Arab Muslims tend to be more conservative 
than their counterparts. We have actually one of the things we noticed in a previous episode is seeing a person who was covered who was actually Asian. And that's what the fair majority, the vast majority of Muslims would actually look like are Asians. So like we Indonesia, see, uh, we see Ahmed gambling. We see a strip club. And then we decide that gambling's wrong. Strip club is okay as Mo is on his way to take Omra virtually through an app, which is a brilliant idea and actually exists. The app does exist. Does for, it really? It does. It's an app actually when I was in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it was something that people, it was a, it was a job people did was they took wow. Omra for people. And in that wow. manner, an app of this nature, no. But there is, you can always go online and see uh mecca at any given time it's always right. on and you can take your uh you can see everything and everyone praying so it was live very interesting mm -hmm. to watch that happen live we saw this strip club uh ahmed keeps his head down rami feels dirty <laughs> steve and mo are loving life and i love seeing mo in this impression what were your thoughts mina <laughs> um yeah i i don't know i i felt kind of uncomfortable but at the same time it was pretty entertaining um i think there was a part that was kind of messed up where rami was talking about like how this is not like an okay place to be and he was kind of like being disrespectful to the sex workers there um and like being really judgmental about the whole thing even though he's there and even though like this is just a recent endeavor for him to be like quote unquote pure um and like you know almost like a born again muslim in a sense um even though we don't have that but um i, I don't know it, it kind of made me feel weird it was it was very off-putting i didn't really like this uh this scene that much were you put off as well nikki um no i don't think i was put off i i i i have come to accept the hypocrisy of religious people in a very mm -hmm. particular way. So like it wasn't surprising or, or weird or even interesting, honestly, um, because I, I, you know, I know Christian ministers who go to, who go to strip clubs and, you know, and do all kinds of craziness. Um, I was actually just concerned about Steve. Like I, like I wrote in my note is in my notes, is Steve sick? Is he dying? What's wrong with Steve? And that was my only concern with the entire thing. Entire thing, Amir. Well, the entire strip place. Um, I mean, I think for me, uh, again, to kind of piggyback off of what Mina said, I was triggered by that kind of judgmental, nouveau religious person because, I mean, being a queer Muslim, I get it every day on Instagram, and also my family as well, not being as supportive. So I think there's different shades of Muslim that you need to let people get where they need to go. And if you agree to go to Atlantic City, you can't judge them for the things they're going to do. So that, that was kind of frustrating. I loved Mo. I thought Mo became Cardi B's manager overnight. He was wearing a fur and he was throwing dollar bills. He was so uh, happy. He had hundreds. He had hundreds in his hand. Buddy. <laughs> he was living his best life. And I think that there is, I love when they brought the whole Umrah thing in because there is a, you know, you can also pay someone to do the Umrah for you. So yes. they, they brought a lot of stuff. Obviously, you can tell a Middle Eastern Muslim Rami wrote the story. So it's really well done. Yes. By the way, you're not supposed to pay someone to do Omer unless you're sick or unable to go okay. for whatever reason. Um, currently, there are relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which strain it and still they allow people to take Omer. Of course, during Corona, people aren't uh, taking Hajj. But I just want to make sure that we realize, yes, Nikki. Okay, um, you just confused me because I already was confused. What is the difference between Hajj and Umrah? I, I knew the word Hajj before. I'd never heard Umrah, but then I felt like that's what was, ha I wasn't sure. What's the difference? So unless Mina, is this one of the concepts that you were gonna discuss in Well, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna discuss it, but they vary based on the time of year you take them. Yes. So yeah, so Hajj is like a, a religious pilgrimage, but you, you're supposed to take it during a certain time frame, And if you take it during that time frame, it's considered Hajj, which is one of the seven pillars of Islam. Every Muslim has to take it during their lifetime. Um, and Umrah is like doing that same thing, but not during the indicated time frame. It's is just, it seven or five pillars? Oh, five, sorry, five, five pillars. Five, sorry, five I'm, pillars, add, so. I'm adding extra credit. Yeah. Umrah, why, Umrah. Would you do, why would you do Umrah and like, why would you not do 
So is Umrah something you have to do over and over? Extra Umrah credit. is something you can do. Amir yeah. actually said it very well. It's simply the the uh, the pilgrimage to Mecca is Umrah. Uh, during the spe specified time, it is Hajj during uh, Ramadan. Um, so people, for example, can go to Israel uh, and Jerusalem and Bethlehem as many times as they want. Maybe it's a little more magical during Christmas. You know, it's just a little, <laughs> it's a little more... Uh, People go on Umrah, you wear all, you have these special, specific garbs. They're very simple, cloth, all white. It's a very- No undies. Yes. <laughs> you don't wear anything but the cloths. And then you go, and actually, if you're not a Muslim, you're not allowed to go in. They ask you, and it's simply, the way they determine this is by asking you when you're going in. Because, and there are other places like in Israel also, uh, where they ask you if you're Muslim and you're allowed to go to the, the Dome of the Rock. You can go to the wall if you're Jewish. Everyone's allowed to go to the wall. It's just interesting when it comes to different types of pilgrimages, how people uh, vary in their belief. When it comes to the strip club, however, uh, that's not part of Umbra. So the concept <laughs> is I'm taking this pilgrimage to cleanse myself. So I'm going to do all the dirt right before it. I'm going to do everything I can right before Lent, before I have to give up things for 40 days. Got, uh, it. Bro. Got it. You know, is it crazy? It's like our Mardi Gras. That's turning... what Mardi Gras is. Yeah, that's what Fat Tuesday is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not specifically Mardi Gras, but this is what they've made it themselves. <laughs> they've made right. it themselves. But then we get the confrontation with Rami and, and Ahmed when Rami's in the bathroom and he's kind of pissing everyone off. And even though Mina explained there are no born again Muslims, that's not a term that's specifically used. However, it is a new age term that is used by certain Muslims that are born again. What were your thoughts on the confrontation between Ahmed and Rami in the bathroom? And then Rami's actions right after clearing out the strip club and getting kicked out. Let's start with Nikki Bailey. Uh, I, I, I thought that Ahmed's um, lecture was, uh, was deep. Like I was like, I felt like that was like him saying, I have, I have worked my spiritual heart to the bone for you. And I have, I have, I've prayed for you when I could have been praying for kids who are being held in cages and you're going to come at me for some stuff. So I thought it was. I thought it was because Ahmed has been been so like nice this whole time. And I thought it was really amazing to sort of see like that he's not just nice, like this is passion, this is brotherhood, this is this is kinship, and you're crapping on the kinship right now. I'm here in freaking AC when I don't want to be for the friendship, and you're dumping on the friendship. You're you're dumping on the brotherhood right now. And he's kind of wanna be there. Amir, what do you think? Um, I think that like his speech was very triggering for me because a lot of Muslims do that. Like, oh, your wudu is not accepted. Your prayer is not accepted. So it can be quite triggering. So I think he knew how to trigger Rami by saying that like, oh, you're peeing, standing up. It's haram. Like, I'm going to call out your hypocrisy. But what I, I think the star of that scene was the guy, the bathroom attendant, turning on the water at the perfect time. I was like, you are doing your job. You are listening and you are aware. So I was here for him. He is a hero. Not all heroes wear capes, Mina. <laughs> I never knew that peeing in a urinal was haram, but I'm glad I never had to Flashback. do that. Flashback. <laughs> Splashback. Splashback. No idea. Never, never read that part either. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I thought the scene afterwards when Rami like goes back out and there's like this whole argument that takes place and the the guy in charge of the club is like, you guys, you guys got to go. Like, this is ridiculous. This is not the place to have the conversation about religion. You're killing the vibe. I thought that was hilarious. And, and, yeah. and like, of all people, Mo was the most upset. Uh, <laughs> if anyone knows the names of those, uh, the dancers at the club, please let me know. I'm going to find them on Instagram. Let's talk about Mo's Umrah. <laughs> Mo's doing Umrah in a room in Atlantic City. And he's having this religious experience. And then Ahmed joins him. There's a poker game going on in the background. Amir, how did you I loved it? The significance. You know why I loved it, Tehran? I'll tell you. It's because it shows that you can find God and you can experience true spirituality in anywhere, in the center of hell or in Hajj. It doesn't matter where you are. And I think a lot of Muslims specifically, and I can only speak to that experience, have kind of bastardized spirituality by saying it can only happen within the walls of a mosque. And we've seen with quarantine, people are doing it on Zoom. They're, they're, 
they're creating, they're finding God in different ways. So I was really here for it. And I thought it was really beautiful. And let's be honest, I don't know if people are going to be able to go to Hajj after Corona. Like it is a center of disease. Like I've been there three times. It's very hard to keep clean. So I don't know if it's really going to be able to open up at least for the next couple of years. Mina? Yeah, um, I kind of saw it a lot, a lot differently. I saw it more as like, there's like this really like intense juxtaposition between like what's considered holy and what's considered haram. And like, you're putting that in the same sphere. And I think it really demonstrates the themes of the show Rami, how there's like this push and pull between what's haram and halal. And am I a good Muslim or am I a bad Muslim? And then how do I negotiate my two different identities? It's like the central theme of season one and season two. And I think it's going to keep on going because I think your relationship with religion is like an ongoing self-discovery. So I, I thought it was interesting that there would be poker in the background. Obviously, that's also haram. I mean, I'm right. not judgmental when it comes to that, but right. that that is definitely not something Muslims want. In their but house. Mina, I, I wonder if like what you brought up is a really great point about like haram and halal and even saying, am I a bad Muslim? For a lot of people, even asking that question opens up the door to interpretation. Like when I ask, can I be gay and Muslim? People are very quick to say no and shut me down. So I think even asking that question, you set yourself up for people to get in the holes of where you're not so sure about your identity. Yeah, I mean, everyone sins differently though. And it's so easy for someone to say, oh, you're gay. So that's not okay in the Quran, but like, what are they doing? That's also haram. Like that's exactly. only for God to judge. And one of the main, like, the the main ideas of islam is that god is the only person who knows what's in your heart and it's your intention mm -hmm. at the end of the day that matters not necessarily just the actions but what are your intentions and why are you making the decisions that you're making so well, i think that's very important as well absolutely don't judge others just because you sin differently amir do you eat pork no. That's <laughs> all well, that matters. Sounds that you're good. Watching this Omrah and also seeing it at the end. Uh, I, I thought it was quite beautiful. I was like, I was like, I, I like, I like, I agree with um, Amir. You can, you know, God is everywhere. God is God encompasses all that is, and so why can't I experience God in a virtual reality? You know, and like it, I like I felt for me that was like a like a Holy Spirit moment. I was like, yeah, that totally. I could totally like come off of a, a night of drinking and then pray for a minute and be like, thank you, Jesus. Like I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. That makes sense to me. Um, I didn't. I, I wanted to say about before when the the your prayers don't count thing that really upset me. Um, because I. I one of my big issues is is people using religion as a manipulator, um, and so that was uh, that was triggering for me. And I meant to say that when we were talking about that. I actually love that he said that. I'm going to start saying that all the time. As a person, I'm going to just walk around and be like, eh, "Your prayers don't count," and walk away. Like it doesn't matter. Can't tell me otherwise. I get to choose. Apparently, as a person who's walked er or actually been everywhere, basically that God has been quote unquote, on this earth, I find Umrah to be very, uh, a very interesting and spectacular situation. I've been to the Wailing Wall, I've been to the Red Sea, I've been to the, I've, I've literally been everywhere that God has said to have walked on earth. And wow. it's just a very fascinating, uh, and as Amir can attest to, I'm sure, the energy is just almost miraculous. Something that we felt the exact antithesis of as Stevens, shall we say, condition came to pass, and Rami being an amazing, Ooh, great friend. That's some friendship <laughs> right there, boy. Steven, oh, of God. course, makes the, so getting a stripper is haram, but you giving me a hand job is okay. <laughs> For friendship. For friendship, Nikki? Yes or no, was it okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I've, I've never done yeah, that with my yeah. friends. So. I have nope. to say. Well, yes, I have. It was. It was uh, <laughs> You're it was just a really good friend, friendship. Amir. You're really a good friend. That's all. It yeah, is. I think it's. I think it's a good. I think it was a good friendship move. Like I felt like it was a loving, a, a loving thing, and I loved that Steve <laughs> insisted that it not be because you're trying to be a good Muslim, but that, <laughs> that you're trying to help your friend. Like I love that he wanted that distinction made. Um, it, it, that felt really relevant and important to me. And um, yeah, 
I love them. I loved it. I thought I it just was, want to I make it was sure crazy. Everyone but. knows the two aren't mutually exclusive. You can be a good Muslim and a good friend, Mina. <laughs> Uh, I love how uh, Nikki just said that because that kind of goes back to the whole intention is everything in Islam. So the irony of like how Steve was like, as long as you're not doing this in the name of Islam, I'm cool with it. And that intention really matters. I just, I saw some irony in that. Um, but also that was such an uncomfortable scene. Like I felt so, it was so cringeworthy. There was something about it that I just felt like someone was going to walk in on any moment and it was gonna be misinterpreted. Um, and it just made me so uncomfortable, but it was so funny, but I was just like, ugh. Like, I loved it. how much the prostitute was so un, uh, unworried about <laughs> it. Faith, I mean, right, yeah. Um, I love that actually. I got the opportunity to talk on IG Live with Steve Way, who plays Steve. And he told me that this scene is all about how close they are in real life. They grew up together. He's like, I'm not just an actor, I'm part of the show. I'm written in. So I, I think that, again, this scene was cringy, but again. Hey, everybody, before we move on to our next topic, I do want to let you know about Anchor because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place for free, just like this show, which you can use right from your phone or computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great, just like this one. And they'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere podcasts are heard, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can easily make money from your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. Get started today by downloading downloading the Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Rami just wants to push us outside of our comfort zone. And the reason I think this scene happened was back to the whole superstition and religion. Rami said, if I had prayed, this, um, you know, sex worker would have gotten here at the right time to give <laughs> you the hand job. And it's like, it's not about that. It's not about that. So I, I love that it was like, no, 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 you don't get to be a good Muslim. And you don't get to use me as a stepping stone to feel good about yourself, which is what Rami has done the whole time of this show, which is why at times he's not very likable because he uses people and pretends he's like, I'm innocent. No, you're manipulative as a character. And this was just an opportunity where he got called out for it. So I really was here for it. Mina, uh, I really felt like if the other guys had walked in on that moment, I don't think that, they, I don't think they would have been scandalized. I think they would have been like, all right, you're doing what has to be done. Like, I think that, right. I think that I, they feel like they're tight enough that they would have been like, oh yeah, all right. Okay. Whatever. Okay. He's gonna I, have hurt. I have a lot of really good friends I, I and I'm not that tight with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I don't know enough about MS, but I don't think it's, I don't think you getting backed up. We all get backed <laughs> up as men. So I don't know if that was just like, I don't know if Steve was just trying to push Rami to get outside of his BS. And I think honestly it worked because he stopped thinking about, I'm such a good Muslim. It was like, no, I need to help my friend. And prayer is not the most important thing. People, like I said, walk over homeless people to get to Friday prayer. That's not the kind of prayer that God wants anyway. Yeah. So, good, good Muslim, good friend, good hand job. That symbolizes Rami as we go into my episode eight. profile, honey. Frank in the future. Episode eight, Frank in the future. We're going to break it down as thus. Conversation with his father, Frank for the cup, where Farouk uses the name Frank at the coffee place. The talk, Rami talks marriage with his parents, and she looks like Beyonce, or does she? Dog depression, the dog gets depressed. Dinner with the in-laws. Uncle Nassim comes to dinner, a great surprise. Father-son talk, and then father and mom discussion. Okay. Let's start with our overall thoughts, Amir Yas. I have a lot of opinions. So my dad was actually a professional soccer player and he gave up his dream to work in electronics and to provide for his family. So I really related to the story very intimately. I was like freaking sobbing. So I really felt it. And I love to see the reason why the dad is so angry and has a wall up as large as the Great Wall of China. So I think you can tell nobody in this family can surmount that wall to get to him. There is a reason. When he was waiting tables when he was young, he looked so hopeful. He looked so happy. And America is the American dream for some people, but not everyone. So he's been knocked down and, you know, also figuring out that the grandfather ended up killing himself with Rami, like Nassim's gun was a crazy little tidbit that we got. So I was here for all of that. Mina? Yeah, that goes back to the whole oversharing element. Like who in a job application is like, yeah, by the way, uh, my old boss actually like uh, fired me and like it's because someone killed themselves and then this happened I'm like oh by the way I really really want this job please call me 
it kind of goes back to that whole like cultural barrier and oversharing element in the culture. Um, and I think transparency isn't always a good thing, even though I myself find myself erring on the side of transparency. Um, I think it's a cultural thing for sure. It right. probably is, Nikki. I, I thought this episode was just beautiful. My father passed away 15 years ago and it just made Burn. me, it just made my heart yearn for my father. And I, uh, and I just, I just felt it so deeply and, um, uh, and also felt some relief at getting more of the story behind that, the dad and, and like, like, cause I was starting to dislike him and I, I'm like, I don't want to dislike him. I like this actor. I don't want to dislike him, but I loved that we got to understand the journey to, to why he has those walls up. And that was, it was enlightening. I really love this episode. I think there's a special connection in the Middle East between a father and a son, especially the oldest son. There is a strong, very strong bond connection and the sacrifices that parents make when they leave their homeland to come to the United States. That's something that's impressed upon the children the entirety of our lives. So it's something I connected to very strongly, especially the concept of the conversation Farouk had with his father via tape. We remember this from season one. We got a hint that Farouk was not working in season two uh, in the episode when Dina comes home, when Dina, uh, Dina comes home early. So we kind of already knew this was coming. We get these conversations. And Mina, what were your thoughts on the conversations between Farouk and his father? Yeah, honestly, those, those were really hard to like hear. I think it's, even in season one, just the fact that his parents were not open to the the whole idea of him leaving Egypt to come to America for a better life. They were so worried that the culture would be diluted by coming to America and that the son wouldn't know Arabic, wouldn't know his ancestry, wouldn't know where he came from. And it honestly is true when I think about it. If I think about my family that lives in uh, Iraq versus how I am, we have a different set of cultures and customs, even though I still consider myself very much Arab. I'm not as Arab, I, I would I would say as then. Like I have different, like a different culture, um, like a different set of cultural values. So I do think a little bit of that culture gets lost when you come to a new country and it's like a fusion of two different cultures. And it's gotta be super hard for immigrant parents who come and have to reroute their entire lives start from scratch. A lot of them, you know, are really educated in their mother countries and they come here and have to start completely anew with a new language. And then they don't even get the same job they had, which was in such high like esteem and prestige in their mother countries. And that's the part that really sucks. Yeah, it's very difficult. Nikki, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I don't have thoughts. I I don't, you know, I, I think that I don't come from um, an immigrant family. So, so I, that's a, that, that part of the story, I didn't know how to connect to. Um, but I did, I, I, like I said, I just felt really um, moved by um, the desire that Farouk had for his father, the desire for connection and how that translated to the desire he has to connect with Rami and still can't like that, mm -hmm. the barriers that they're facing, um, that he was facing both, you know, in both directions. It's interesting that uh, the we take for granted the fact that everyone would be able to connect with that simply because of a experience we have. It makes a lot of sense. Amir, were you able to connect with that moment? I was, I definitely was. I think it, it's just so heart-wrenching to watch the dad, because my dad tries to speak in a certain language that I would understand. And I try to speak in a language he does, he would understand, but we are not even in the same book. We're in different, he's in a magazine, I'm in a book. So I think it's, it's really important to be respectful and understanding of where this character is coming from. I remember being kind of like, he's a misogynist sitting on the couch doing the hookah, you know, the way he treats his wife and his daughter and his son, it's just so distant, but it, it, it really makes sense. He's just hurt. You know, his dad turned his back on him because he came to the U.S. And this happens to a lot of immigrants. They say, oh yeah, go to the U.S., you're going to be nobody. And then, you know, the dad is not like an instant millionaire success. So it's like, you can't rub it in people's faces. So I think it's, just, I really had a lot of feelings um, about, you know, Farouk. He's on a journey like everyone else. Just because you're a dad doesn't mean you're still not lost. 
it's definitely very difficult, especially with him losing his job. It's Identity. even difficult for him to pay for a cup of coffee that's $9.50 with this caramel frap with uh, whipped cream. It's all extra. And he uses <laughs> the name Frank for the cup. I think that, is there any time that you felt obligated or wanted to change your name, Amir? Um, well, being Amir Hassan Yusai, it's every, you know, terrorist watch list. It's every airport. It's every, you know, I look white, but if I, with the beard, I always get searched. So yeah, there definitely have been times where I'm like, like my mom would pick me up and say, Amir, get in the car. And I'm like, no, it's Amir. Like, don't say it like that. Like, I don't want to be associated. And it breaks my heart because I'm so proud to be the son of an immigrant. But like I said, I would, you know, ask my parents, like, pick me up a little farther. Like, I, my dad would come to school and he'd have a thick accent. And I, you know, his name's Jafar. Things that I love now, when I was a kid, I was like, I wanted to erase that part of me and be white, which is now I'm like so boring. Because when I saw the white girl at the coffee shop that said, my ears hurt. I was like, I never want to be a part of that identity ever. So let's put up ever, period, ever, ever, period. So I'm so happy to be who I am. Her identity sucked. I don't know if all white identity sucks. Everyone has their I'm own culture. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to, listen, I'm not, nobody on this panel is associated with my aggressive opinion. Let's make that very clear. I just, I don't like being associated. I, I, it just breaks my heart to want as a kid to be associated with being white. Because at the end of the day, I'm not. Am I American? Yes. Am I white? No. Me so not. that's that. Yes. Have you changed your name or wanted to or know people that do? Um, okay, so this is pretty relevant to me. Um, my last name is Wahab um, and I went by Mina Wahab for a long time and then I decided to change it to Mina Nadine because Nadine is my middle name. And I was really torn about this for a very long time because I was like, I don't wanna have to give up my Muslim or my Arab identity. Um, but at the same time, I felt like I was dealing with a lot of discrimination, like on my resume, or people would ask me questions, even at networking events, when I would give my business card, like, oh, are you, are you Muslim? Like I had someone from like, uh, I, it wasn't LA Times, it was another organization that I'm not going to name that was similar to that, that asked me, oh, is that like a, a Muslim name? I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. And then I felt the tone of the conversation completely change and I really had to deal with for a long time in the entertainment industry do I just like embrace my Arab identity or do I just change it up for branding purposes and I'm like well Nadine is still like an Arab name it's not like I'm changing it I just wanted it to like look better uh for branding and to have it be like slightly more ambiguous but just get rid of the Wahhab which oftentimes I get a lot of questions what is Wahhab is that part of the Wahhabist religion I'm like no 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 that's not what but it is at all. So it's definitely really frustrating. So sure. yes, you have changed your name. <laughs> Nikki. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Long story. Or, Nikki, how yeah. do you feel about the name change? Uh, I think it's unnecessary. I, I, I think it should be unnecessary. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a recruit. One of the, one of my day jobs is I recruit people. Uh, and I look at a lot of resumes and I see a lot of super interesting names. And there are times when I'm like, ooh, her parents should have known better. You know, like that's just not a good name. Like that's, she's not gonna get a job with that name. Um, but I mean, it's true, right? Your name, if, if your name says Laquisha Jenkins, I know who I'm gonna meet with when I have my interview with her. And so, you know, I know, I know what she's gonna, I know she's gonna be a black chick. So like, so it, it sucks, um, but I get why people do it. I understand uh, as my name's Tehran, I've always been proud of my name. I think that everyone should keep their name. That's how we impress it on people. What impressed me the most was the fact that Rami spoke to his parents about marriage and he approaches them. They immediately know, uh, Mesa immediately knows something's up. Rami says, we need to have dinner. Something that Rami brought into the show was the fact that when shown the girl, when shown Zainab, Mesa was like, oh, she's, and what they were referring to, of course, was the fact that she's black. That mm -hmm. is something that happens in the Middle Eastern community where Middle Eastern people tend to be um, homogenous and don't mix typically outside of their culture, even though a lot of people don't see that. Amir, have you ever seen that before? Absolutely. And without throwing my entire family under the bus, I think it's something that they definitely do. And I think it's not even just black, it's even Afghan or Iraqi. It's like Persians are very elitist 
and Middle Eastern people in general can be very elitist to their own culture. So I think I love they brought that in. I've dated, you know, black men and me being gay was secondary to the fact that he was black. So I think it's, and I, I talk about this very openly and I think, and, and Tehran does as well. He makes a lot of jokes when he does his shows as well to really push Persian people to start making changes. And when we have Yara Shahidi, my own cousin is half black and half Persian. The more space that, you know, people take up like Tehran, take up space, it builds people to stop being like this. And I love that Rami brought it in. And I love that he didn't say black. He said, she looks like Beyonce. And I love that he pushed the mom and said, what about her looks like Beyonce? Her hair. She said her hair. She's covered. She's covered. <laughs> Mina, Mina, do you do you encounter a lot of this resistance? Um, I encounter a different type of resistance where I feel like my family wants me to be with someone. Um, like I think the Muslim thing is uh, more important than whether they're Arab or Persian or whatever they are. So if um, they were black, they would have no problems as long as they were Muslim. Um, I don't know. That's never that's happened a no. to me. That's that's like, a, no. Sounds that's like an um. That's a huge no. Sounds that's like an um. I don't know. That's never ha that's never happened to me before. I've never I've never brought anyone uh I don't know. I I it'd be an interesting experiment. Let's it, try that sometime. <laughs> Nikki, have you seen resistance in, in my in my experience? Yes. Uh <laughs> My dad was raised in segregation and he moved us to a white neighborhood so we would go to good schools, but he did not intend for us to get all mixed up in all that white business. And so um, he was very like, let's keep our distance, let's not whatever. Um, but when my, my brother brought home a white girlfriend for the first time, my dad was like, not here. Uh, that's not going to fly here. He eventually calmed down and then they died. So now we can do whatever we want. And my partner is white. So it works out. You there know, you the worst yeah. they can do now is flick the lights off and on. It's fine. <laughs> well, that'll be a more Zatishun. So let's talk about the concept. Of course, I, I'm very aware of it as a person who's half Persian, half black. I see it all the time. The dog was depressed. I mean, this is a metaphor if there isn't one, right? Uh, Mina, what did you think about the dog being depressed? Oh, that was, I kept thinking, like, this is literally how my family would act. Um, just because there have been times I'm like, oh my God, that's so sad. Like, these animals are dying. And, like, I've had my dad say comments like, yeah, what about the kids in Iraq and Syria? And this that's and that. thing. Um, so it's funny because I feel like even here in America, like, people get so hung up over a dog being, like, strangled, but then they won't speak out against injustice when it's a human being you know, especially if it's a, a black human being, I feel like sometimes animals do get more empathy and sympathy from the public than human beings do. And I think that's really sad. Um, but I, I could relate to what the dad was saying when he's like depression, like a dog. And I think definitely within the Middle Eastern community, mental illness is something that's very stigmatized, especially because of toxic max masculinity where men are not encouraged to talk about their feelings. Um, they don't say that they're depressed. And if they do, it's like, oh, therapy, what's therapy? That's bullshit. <laughs> so I just feel like that's the, that's the mindset of a lot of, uh, a lot of people in our community. It's not something that's readily discussed. Amir, what were your thoughts? Well, quickly, I love that the veterinarian was like, here's a prescription for, to, for you to see a therapist, to talk to someone, because you have depression and anxiety the dog is picking up on. Um, I thought that was wonderful, and I love that at the end he was on the bench with the dog. So I think in some ways, you don't know what you're going to connect with until it's presented to you. I'm sure the dad was like, we would never have a dog in this Muslim household. And, and the dog loves him more than anyone else in that house. That happens a lot in Middle Eastern families. Nikki? Uh, I, uh, I do a whole bit in my stand-up about dogs being depressed uh, because I struggled with depression my entire adult life. And the idea that I went on medication was like a scandal in the family. So I wish, so if we had had a pet, and they had said the dog was depressed. I, my mom would have been like, I wish I would spend some money on some medication, depression medication for a dog. I wish I would. Like, so, no, that would not. <laughs> it the was dog like, got Xanax. The, got, the dog got Xanax and then Papa popped a couple of them and he mellowed right out there. Yeah, so, hey. the dog got Xanax. I, I feel like that's something my, my dad would have probably said to a vet. 
Um, we need to talk about the dinner with the in-laws and Uncle Nassim. Let's do this because we are running short on time. Let's talk about that dinner with the in-laws. We get the in-laws. We get the tension. We have Sheikh Malik meeting Farouk Mesa and Dina. And this conversation of the wedding comes up and Farouk is reluctant to go forth with it. And then we see that Sheikh is also reluctant to go forth with it. And we get the Dina being accommodating. What were your thoughts on the dinner? And then we're going to talk about Uncle Nassim. Nikki. Super uncomfortable. Um, I do love that Mesa started asking about pronouns and food allergies. Like she yes. obviously has grown. Um, <laughs> it was super uncomfortable, but I also felt like, I felt like um, Zainab and, and the Sheikh handled it both so well that like it was, it was kind of like, we all know this is weird. Let's just weird ourselves through it and we'll be fine on the other end. They did very well. Mina, what were your thoughts? I kind of expected uh, there to be some tension and uh, some prejudices, uh, just knowing like how their dynamic is and like what's common with a lot of Middle Eastern people. Um, but I thought it was going to come mainly from Uncle Nassim. And then I, I didn't know if he would be there. But when he came, I was like, OK, stuff's about to go down right now. This is going to be like really uncomfortable. Uh and it, it was kind of funny. I mean, there was a comedic effect to it, but it's obviously like really sad and offensive. Like if I were, um, if I were Mahershala's, Mahershala Ali's character, I'd be pissed. I'm like, that's so disrespectful. Don't ever talk to me like that. You're so ignorant. But I love the way he responded and kind of like turned the whole stereotype back on its end. And even how his daughter was like, I'm not blowing stuff up every two seconds. I thought, I thought that was really funny. Oh. Like just playing into stereotypes. Like, oh, it doesn't feel so great, does it? They were it like, I'm sorry, fun. pot up. Uh are you are you talking to the kettle? I'm not right. sure. <laughs> they killed them with kindness. They killed them yeah. with kindness. Amir, what were your thoughts? Um, what Mina said was really interesting because I actually thought that as well. I was like, I would have said something. I would have snapped back or I would have called him out. But the fact is, he is the sheikh and he has to, you know, act by example. And he did such a great job and he spoke up in such an amazing way. And like you said, turn that stereotype onto Nassim. And people like Nassim don't back down by someone saying, that's not nice. That's not fair. You have to tell him. You look crazy, back down in a very like aggressive way, which I think the Sheikh did without being disrespectful. So I was really here with the way it was handled. And the fact is, Zainab clearly loves Rami and wants this to work. So she's not going to storm out and be dramatic. I don't know if it was aggressive. I felt like it was a much more pragmatic approach where it was a fine point. It wasn't ad hoc as an argument. So I like the way Uncle Nassim was handled, but Uncle Nassim was definitely the comic relief. It comes in and brings up every stereotype that we knew had to exist. We noticed sure. that Rami did not attribute that specifically or dwell deep into that with his own family. Uncle Nassim did bring up the stereotype that most Muslims who are Black were converted in prison, and that's a stereotype that persists for black Muslims, as we discussed. Now we get this father-son talk where we see the love that Farouk has for Rami. We also see at something that Nikki has brought up and Mina has brought up as well. And then Amir pointed in the first discussion we had, Dina was a bit suppressed at this time. I wonder what's going to happen with that. The father-son talk between Rami and, and Farouk on the bench where Farouk confesses having lost his job and Rami understands and wants to help what was that conversation like for you Amir I think it was it was a beautiful conversation because all sons and I know that Tehran can speak to this as well we want our dads to show us weakness I think vulnerability makes you closer and a lot of these Middle Eastern dads want to seem perfect want to be wearing a cape and be kind of larger than life but it's not relatable it's hard to relate to you know what my dad has built what Farouk has built in this country it's, it's hard to you know, ever even reach the shores of that success. So what I think was beautiful for me was the fact that he was like, it was almost like that conversation, like, does she have a nice body? It was like, did you see her without his job? Like, it was like that dad father son moment where it's like, she have a nice booty, like, but within the Muslim constraints, which is like, did you see her without his job? Like, I love that. So I thought it was just, it was like how fathers and sons talk to each other when there's no one else there. Uh, just to change uh, a perspective, I don't want to see my dad's weak side. I don't feel like dealing with it. Mina, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I did think it was a beautiful moment. I remember just feeling so frustrated that the husband wasn't speaking up and telling his wife uh, what problems were going on because I know that 
that sort of lack of transparency will kill a relationship. I never want to be with someone who's not going to share the inner workings of their world with me because vulnerability and transparency is so major for me in any sort of dynamic. And I think like, you know, sometimes like men don't want to show that because they want to be the providers and they want to protect and they don't want to worry their significant others or their wives. Um, but I think that's so stupid because it's a partnership and it's supposed to be 50-50. So I, I really think he messed up there and, you know, he's telling the son, um, but he's not telling the wife still. And I think that's something that he really needs to work on is having like better communication within his relationship. What do you think, Nikki? Uh, I felt, you know, I, 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 the, the scene where he was holding, where Farouk was holding a, the, you know, baby, baby Rami and saying, I'm not going to be just your father. I'm going to be your friend and your partner as well. I felt like that, that talk on the bench was the beginning of that for them. Yes. And, and they were having a conversation man to man and, and it gave Rami an opportunity to be able to show up for his dad and say, let me be supportive of you. And it gave his dad the opportunity to say, I raised a kid who could be mature enough to, to, to stand with me in this moment. And I, mm -hmm. I thought it was a beautiful way to end, to end it. And thank you so much for explaining the, one of my notes was, why did he ask if, he, if he'd seen Zainab without the hijab? And I now understand the context of that. Thank you. It was a very touching moment. And then of course we get Farouk going inside and apologizing to the mom for his actions and expressing it to him as well. And we get the joke on the handshake, 20 camels is the dowry, which is 22. a huge joke. Uh, and that was a huge joke and it worked very well. And I thought it was very funny. That's where we left off as we go on to Farouk living in the now, playing one last soccer game in the field with the dog, feeling that rejoice. And we're going right back to binge watch more episodes nine and 10. We're in the home stretch, everybody. Where can people find you if you want to be found? Amir Yas. You can find me at Amir Yas underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Mina. You guys can find me on Instagram. Um, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Mina makes magic. Mina does make magic. And Nikki? I'm at Nikki Bailey underscore on all the social medias. Perfect. And I am Tehran, literally, and I am Tehran all across the board. And of course, find me hosting and paneling on a slew of other After Buzz After Shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows too. We're going to go back and binge watch the rest of Rami, Home Stretch 9 and 10, season two finale. We'll see you. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.